0: James 1, 13-27 Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change.
1: Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his cre- creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Blessed be the reading of God's word.
0: Uh, Let me pray for us before we uh, get stuck in. Uh, Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, help us to to take it seriously. Help us, Lord, to um, think about what we need to receive from you uh, in our hearts today. Um, And help us, Lord, to... um, not just stop there, to not go away and forget it, but to act on what we hear today. Challenge us, Lord Jesus, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, after Bethlehem and I were married, um, we were stuck with this uh, wedding dress. And so we decided to sell it. Uh, we decided to sell the wedding dress. We put it on eBay, um, as you do. Uh, and it had been on eBay a few days. I had, I had a message, a really nice man. He said, um, if you pay... If you pay, uh, sorry, if if I pay you now, uh, will you ship it to Ghana for me? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, And I went, oh, I said, pay me the fees, you know, pay me the shipping fees, uh, and I'll I'll go and do that now. And so I had this email in my account. I said, you've been paid, PayPal, you've been paid, this amount for the wedding dress. And uh, and off I trotted down to the post office with this massive wedding dress in a bag. And the post office lady looked at me up and down like I was some sort of prize idiot and said, "Uh, have you checked your PayPal account? And so uh, I checked my PayPal account and there was nothing in it. Um, and you can guess the rest of the story, right? I've been deceived. I've been deceived by uh, this, this guy on eBay. So the world is full of deception. Uh, and so, James tells us, is uh, our Christians, Christians' lives, the church. Um, and, and we've been looking at James for, for one Sunday before, and this is our second Sunday looking at James. James, Jesus' brother. Uh, He's writing to first-century Christians, and they've been scattered uh, across the Middle East because of persecution. Uh, And he's writing to them, and in the passage today, he he warns them, he talks to them about three ways in which they can be deceived. Uh, Did you see them? Uh, There's one in verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Uh, There's one in verse 22, which says, deceiving yourselves. Uh, And there's one in verse 26, which says, but deceives his heart. And we can assume that these Christians that James is writing to might have had a problem with these things. It seems a bit strange that he would write them if, if they didn't. Um, or that he's, he's teaching them these things to help them as a, as a church. And I think that we might find today that, that we ourselves have been deceived by some of these things. And if not, we can use them to, to encourage and challenge ourselves um, and to, to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of God as a church. And one of the reasons James is doing this is, is because one of, the mains, one, one of the main aims of his book is to show what true faith, what God's way of doing things is like. And that's, that's, that's where this fits into the bigger picture. So there's three warnings about deception. And the first one is, do not be deceived about temptation. Um, before we uh, look at the verses, it's helpful to clarify what temptation means, um, temptation is the desire to do something that goes against God's law. The longing of our hearts to do something sinful. Um, temptation itself is not a sin. But as we will see in a minute, giving into temptation is, the, is sinful. Um, remember, Jesus was tempted by the devil. And the devil showed him things that he would have had a desire for after 40 days of um, Fasting in the desert, he was tempted with food, protection, and riches, but Jesus did not sin. And this deception about temptation, it starts in verse 13. Have a look at verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. The deception is that temptation comes from God. The deception is that when temptation comes. Last week we had when trials come. This week it's when temptation comes. Temptation is a normal part of Christian life. It's a normal part of life. You could actually say it's a kind of trial that tests us on our Christian walk. So James isn't changing the subject here. He's carrying on. We are constantly surrounded by things that will try and pull us away from our walk with God. We're constantly tempted by things that go against the way that God wants us to live. And when temptations comes along and the Christian life doesn't, doesn't feel so easy anymore, we, we want someone to blame. We don't want to blame ourselves. We're too proud for that. So we blame God. And James says, well, you're being deceived. How do we know temptation comes from God? Well, because of God's character. Temptation couldn't possibly come from him. James shows us two things about God's character. First of all, he is pure. He is pure. Look at the rest of verse 13. It says, let no one say when he's being tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God cannot, he does not experience the same sinful desires that we do. It's not possible for him to have desires towards something that's impure. And so it's not possible for him to tempt. It's not possible for him to to sin. And the second characteristic is that he's a good gift giver. Have a look at verse 17. It says every good and every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So the only things that can come from God are good and perfect. When God created the heavens and the earth, he looked at them and he saw they were good, very good. And it's only when the wrongful desire of man brought sin into the world that that changed. And so if God only gives good and perfect things to us, he could not possibly give us something. James is saying that sin is going to grow and grow and grow. Okay, That baby sin, that didn't seem like a big deal at the time, will grow up into toddler sin, and child sin, and teenager sin, and adult sin. And sin when it is fully grown, leads to death. That's what God said to Adam and Eve when he spoke to them after they'd eaten from the tree in the garden. One of the consequences of giving in to the temptation and therefore bringing sin into the world, he said to them, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So James looks the Christian he's writing to to see that it's not God that tempts us, it's our own sinful desire, our own sinful longing. Our own sinful desire to want the things that God has not given us. Our sinful desire to live our own way and not God's. Our sinful desire to lie about something or hate someone or take revenge. Our sinful desire to ask, to, to talk about someone behind their back or to leave God out of our plans. Or even looking for the world in response to our trials instead of Him. Those things are bait on the end of a hook. And our sinful hearts want to take that. As a giving to our desires, we're sinning. And if we don't do anything about it, that sin grows, grows, and grows. And we will die. And if we get our thinking about where temptation comes from right, then we can do something about it. So, don't be deceived about temptation. It does not come from God, it comes from our desire and can lead to death. Secondly, do do not be deceived about your response. To God's law. Have a look at verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The deception is that it's okay just to hear God's law, and not do anything about it. Now James thinks that's ridiculous. Uh, and actually he shows us how ridiculous he thinks it. He gives us an illustration um, to show us how ridiculous it is, just to hear God's word. Have a look at Verse 23. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. It might surprise you, I actually spend quite a lot of time looking in the mirror. It's quite surprising. Um, the reason is I've, I've started shaving my head with a razor. Okay. Um, so, after I've shaved my head, you've got to check that you've missed bits, whether you've missed bits or not. Now imagine, imagine, right, I shaved my head and I missed some bits so I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh, I missed that bit. And I went away and I cleaned my teeth and I completely forgot. Can you imagine? I can think of some names. Michael. Zebra head. <laughs> Rob sent me a, a, a heart-breaking, heartbreaking article this week, let me show you. It's about a lonely swan, who every day goes to the school in Shropshire to stare at its reflection. Imagine if that swan went back to its nest and couldn't remember what it looked like. But actually, maybe it does. Maybe that's why it comes back every day. It can't remember what it looks like. If you read or listen to God's word and immediately forget what you've heard, then you're like that swan, looking in the mirror and going away and forgetting what you've and James thinks this is important to the early church. How is, how is the early church, how we is the church going to grow if we read God's word and learn from God's word and go to Bible study and walk away and can't remember anything? Or well, don't make an effort to remember anything. It's challenging for us, right? How often do we leave church on Sunday and never again think about what we've heard? How often do we have quiet time in the morning? And not think about it again for the rest of the day. And how often do we leave Bible study and, and not put our minds to what we've been talking about anymore? But James shows us that we have to do more than hear. Just hearing God's word is ridiculous, he says. And he introduces us to a process. And that process is hear, receive and do. Hear, receive and do. So, first of all, here, look at verse 19. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay, so you've got to be quick to hear. That goes alongside being slow to speak and slow to anger. You can't hear the word of God if you're talking. Well, if everyone here was talking, you wouldn't be able to what I was saying. And you can't hear the word of God if you're all riled up with anger. Now, we've, we've not got time to go into the righteous and unrighteous anger. Now, I think kind of Jesus turning the tables over in the temple. But the first thing you've got to do is hear. The second thing you've got to do is receive. Look at verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Note there are two parts to this. Okay, this links into what Kenny was saying at the beginning about coming to God with a clean heart first thing you've got to do is you've got to put away your sin. Confessing as a believer who knows that Jesus paid the debt for your sin, come to him with a clean heart. Asking God to take away those sinful thoughts, those sinful attitudes in your heart before you come to his word. And then you've got to receive. there's a difference between hearing and receiving. We can hear the word of God as in the physical listening. Anyone can do that. But receiving is the... What is the Holy Spirit teaching me? What is God teaching me? How does this apply to me? Notice how God's word has changed you. Or how how, what you're hearing can change you. You recognise that God's truths and promises in his words are for you as one of his children. Understanding what the bit you've read shows you about Jesus. Knowing that the good news written in the pages of the Bible is how we've been saved. And the third one here, receive, the third one is to verse 22, but be doers of the word. So after you've received what God has to say to you, you've got to put it into action. Anyone watch Dad's army? Yeah. Yeah. So don't just stand there. That's what we think are Dad's army. Don't just stand there. What God teaches you on a Sunday, what God teaches you in Bible study, what God teaches you in your daily reading, don't just stand there. You need to change your walk with God because of what you're, you're learning from Him. Otherwise, you're just like looking in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what you're learning. Verse 25 tells us that if you look into the law, into the law of God, God's word, and hear it and do it, then you will be blessed in your doing. God will bless your actions if you respond to His word. And let me try to illustrate this. Um As Rob and I have been studying the book of James, um, and we've been looking through, reading the book through together, I've been really challenged by what God has to say about how we speak. Um, And James has a lot to say, there's a whole chapter on it, it even comes up in the next verse. Um, And when I've read this, I've got a choice, right? I can either read it, and leave it. Walk away and say, don't you remember this, it's not important, forget (coughs) it. Or, I could read it and receive it, and recognise that God's word, God is using his word to challenge me, to challenge me on getting involved in gossip at school, to challenge me on where I speak to other people. But that's that's not good enough, because then, then I need to act, right? I need to cry out to him for forgiveness, ask him to help me change, ask him to help me to walk in a way that that honours him. To, to leave those conversations at work, at home. To have a mindset of, of joy instead of anger. To speak in the same attitude of love that Jesus spoke to people. And more than just asking him for that, I need to do those things. And I know that he will and is helping me to do that by his spirit. And that when I do that, he will bless those actions. And I also know that when I do that, I'm experiencing Freedom. Now it's not freedom as the world sees it, but freedom under God's law. What does he call God's law in verse 25? He calls it the law of liberty. that's weird, isn't it? We don't necessarily think of uh, law as freedom. Law is restrictive, right? It stops me driving at the speed that I want to. Or it stops me taking justice into my own hands. Uh, In in the state of Oregon, America, a few years ago, uh, they voted to to get rid of some of their drug law. uh, and Legalise drugs like heroin. That's great, isn't it? Everyone can use drugs safely and have a good time. People can make their own choices about these things. Well, the sad reality is, is not that. The number of people dying from overdose increased. More and more people became addicted to drugs and crime levels rose. And so the absence of law became a death sentence for that state. But freedom will be taking those people and saying, this is the law, the law is drugs are illegal. A heroin's illegal, but you're good at gardening. Let me put you on a gardening course. And, and you're good at cooking. Let me put you on a cooking course. And, and here's a space and a nursing to be for you. Because you love caring for people. And what would happen to those people? They would be taught something that they could act on, whilst living under the law, and they would experience freedom. They would flourish. And if they broke the law, they would be put in prison and lose that freedom. James is telling the Christians, God's law is a law of liberty. Living God's way, hearing and doing, means we're free to enjoy his blessing that he gives us. Living under his law means that we're free to grow in knowledge of wisdom of him. If God's law didn't mean anything to us, then we would be following our own sinful desire, right? And we've already seen that following our own sinful desire leads to death. That's what the reality is that this isn't possible without God's help. There's only one man who was able to do this perfectly, who lived a life of perfect actions, who followed his Father's law every day. In fact, he helped to define the greatest of God's law for us. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees come to him and say, Teacher, they're trying to test him. They say, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. This is God's law. This should be the desire of our heart to follow God's law. And then after his death and resurrection, he left behind, he didn't leave us on our own, he left behind for us, and he left a helper, the Holy Spirit. God's presence, who lives inside us as believers, and he prompts us to follow God's law and helps us to act. We can't be doers of our own accord. Can't do it on our own. We have to humble ourselves to receive with meekness and act with God's help. So, don't be deceived about temptation. It comes from the simple desire of your heart, oh, not God. Don't be deceived about how you respond to God's law. You need to receive it and do it. I'm very going to put over third one. Do not be deceived about religion. Uh, they, these are huge topics in these verses. And actually, uh, James spends the next few chapters going over what these things mean. Um, so, so, come back. Come back. Come back. The, the next six Sundays we'll be, we'll be going over these things. But the summary is that you can be a fake doer. Look at verse 26. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, that person is religious that religion is worthless. The deception is that you can be truly religious, following God's law, but say whatever you want. And if you live like that, James is saying your religion is worthless. And then he shows us what true religion is like, verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The orphans and widows in those days would have had no help whatsoever. No orphanages, no support networks, no council services. They would have been outcast, they would have been lonely. And so James says true religion is to serve those people. Those people who are humble and lonely. And to keep your desire, the desire of the heart, line right with God's way and not the world. And again, the perfect model of that is Jesus. He lived his life serving those outcasts of society. And he followed God's way, unstained by the world to the point of death. So don't be deceived about temptation, don't be deceived about your response to God's call, And don't be deceived about religion. What does this mean for us? Well, if you're not a Christian, then the desire of your heart that we talked about earlier is leading you to live a life that's going to lead to death. But there's a different way. You might have noticed I didn't mention it earlier. Instead of accepting the gifts of the world that look so good to us, they look so good on the surface, but once openly to death. Accept the gift of a father above who loves you. Look at back at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And then verse 18 of as well. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The God who created the lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, and the stars, chooses to give us as small human beings good gifts. And verse 18 was true for the Christians that James was writing to. And if you're not a Christian, it can be true for you. God can give you a new birth if you accept his word of truth. The truth of, the truth of his son Jesus, who lived a life where his desire was to do what his father wanted. Even to the point of death on a cross, where Jesus was punished for the times that we have given into temptation, and the times that you have given into temptation. And if you believe this truth, then God welcomes you, forgiven and righteous into his family, the church. We're a family that can enjoy eternal life as God's people. Rescued from the death that sin grows into. Hmm. So if you're hearing this today, maybe for the first time or not as a Christian, then don't just walk out and forget it. Receive it. Something Something's for you. For your eternal future. And then act. Cry out to God for forgiveness. Accept his good gift of salvation. Made possible because of Jesus. If that's who you, come and find someone afterwards. Come and find me, come and find Rob, Kenny, Jenna, Bethany. And if you are a Christian, then praise God that He forgives us when we say sorry for giving into the sinful desires of our heart. But then let's be challenged about our response to temptation, right? I said earlier, if we get our thinking right about temptation, we'll know how to deal with it. Are we blaming God? Or are we asking him to help us to overcome our sinful desires? And Jesus showed us how to respond to temptation through his life and teaching. And in his own response to temptation by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, he responds with the word of God. We looked at it the other week. Mm-hmm. In the truths of the Bible, the Bible to respond to the devil's temptation. What did our old age song say? Read the Bible every day. As we get to know God's word, we can respond to the temptations in our lives. And in Matthew 6, when he teaches his disciples how to pray, we say it on a Sunday every week. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as he prays in the sorrow in the garden of Gethsemane, while his disciples, they wait and they fall asleep, he then tells them, watch and pray, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So it's a model for us to counter our sinful desires, right? To counter our longing to sin with the good gifts that the Father has given us, his word and prayer. But also this links to our attitude to God's law. We need to follow the obedience of Jesus. And obedience to God's law through hearing and doing will mean that the humble desire of our hearts becomes more and more in line with the desire of Jesus' And it will mean that as we hear and study God's word week by week, then he will grow us in knowledge and wisdom, and the desire of our heart will become more and more in line with God's desire. As we act up God's law, as we grow in knowledge and wisdom, then in Jesus' name we will find it easier, not easy, but easier to respond to temptation with his word and with prayer. Until the day when we receive the crown of life, and the temptation will be God. Amen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just spend um, spending while in a couple of minutes thinking about what do you need to receive for yourself? What's God teaching you? What's the Holy Spirit prompted you to do from what we've been saying today? And just think about what you need to do to act on what you've heard today. And then I'll come and pray now. Thank yeah. you.